The way we consume and share news today is largely rooted in social media outlets, a reason why it is crucial that we look at what's being discussed online. So from the hottest issues to trends for our daily social media minute, we have Yerika Park joining us today in the studio. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Uh, Yerika, you're a big foodie. Um, yeah. And you know a lot about food. Are you a breakfast person? <laughs> Back to the question. Um <clears throat> Uh, it depends. It depends. So it's just like if you have the time you eat, yeah. if you don't have the time, mm. you kind of wing it. That's right. And if I have a late dinner the the the, the day before, then I try, try to, to wait. It. Yeah, I try to skip breakfast. Okay, another one for my team. <laughs> Got it. Sorry, Diane. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's get started. Um, so I can't believe it, mm-hmm. but the Paris Olympic Games is just around the corner. Yeah. And, you know, because of the pandemic pushing the other Olympic Games on their schedule, you know, it's just very tight schedule it's between the two Olympic Games. But um, big news coming out of what's <laughs> being provided at the Olympic Village for the athletes. Very important subject, right? Mm. Um, some 15,000 athletes are going to feast at the Paris Olympics. Uh, they're going to feast on fresh baguettes, obviously, gourmet French dishes, seasonal food. Um, yeah, when the Olympics uh, is held, it's going to be the biggest restaurant in the world, supposedly, seating some 3,500 people at a given time. Now, the company that is tasked with serving 40,000 meals a day at the Olympic Village uh, revealed some of the items on the menu of uh, its sit-down restaurant and uh, the food will be created some, by some of France's most renowned chefs, and mm. some of them have Michelin-starred restaurants. Now, more than 500 menu items will be available to meet the needs of all sports, special diets, eating habits, and religious beliefs. Um, to give you a bit of a preview, one chef who has a Michelin-starred restaurant in Marseille revealed a dish of, uh, you know, crushed chickpeas, herbs, a smoked fish sauce. Another chef revealed a dish that included uh, a rather elaborate and healthy-sounding quinoa mm-hmm. risotto and a dish of chocolate mousse with raspberries. Um, another one, a dish of guinea fowl. Slowly roasted with a crayfish jus mm. um, with uh, something called a poulet sauce, a white sauce. Anyways, mm. this is just, you know, just a glimpse of what will be offered during the Olympics. So, uh, the usually, so because of my experience for the PyeongChang Olympic mm-hmm. Games, the athletes have their own very specific dietary needs. Right. So, they can't go enjoy all this food until after their competition uh-huh. but knowing that all this fancy chefs are preparing <sighs> some amazing uh, dishes yep. feels like uh, the athletes cannot wait till their competition is over to go try all this exactly. food out. hey if i were an athlete my expectations would be very very high Absolutely. if i were going to paris france um they'll also be not just to sit down restaurants but also grab and go food points um it will also have a boulangerie which is offering freshly baked 
French baguettes, uh, which, by the way, were recently given UN World Heritage status. Mm. Croissants and other pastries will also be available. Uh, one exception, though, uh, made to the French way of life, there will be no wine served. No wine with French cuisine. <laughs> right. That, that's a big part. That's going to be missed. Blasphemy. Yes. <laughs> now, the, the reason why is that uh, all forms of alcohol, not just wine, are banned from being served to Olympians in the village. So this is always the case. No alcohol within uh, the restaurants in the Olympic Village. However, champagne and liquors are going to be reserved for special events like receptions. Mm. Mm. Um, another challenge uh, the Paris 2024 organizers promised to meet is to make the games uh, more sustainable and, of course, environment-friendly. Yes. Um, for example, the village is only going to use uh, reusable serving dishes. Uh, all the meals are based on seasonal products, and plant-based food will represent one-third of the food offered at the Olympic Village. And, of course, to avoid waste, uh, goods not consumed will be given to food banks and uh, related uh, associations. Food scraps are going to be turned into compost or used for biogas production. Okay. Well, you know, all this uh, fancy food, the people that benefit the most are actually the staff and yeah. media. Yeah. They, they're going to be feasting they're on They're going to be devouring right. all that stuff. Right. A lot of the uh, teams actually go and they build their own kitchens. Mm-hmm. To make sure that they meet their own athletes' dietary yeah, needs. Yeah, Team Korea often does that too. Right? Yeah, mm. Team USA built their own kitchen mm-hmm. when they came for Pyeongchang. Um, but the media, they go, they go to town. So, <laughs> and uh, you know, you remember if you back, if you remember back, Pyeongchang mm-hmm. Olympics, Korea got uh, a very good rating on That's the right. food. That's right. That's right. So, yeah. Well, looking forward to what kind of food and uh, stories on the food comes out from yeah. Paris. Uh, jumping over. Uh, this was an interesting story. Mm. Like North Korean students learning English through Disney movies. Yeah, um, this one North Korean middle school recently posed the world famous question to students that you know children and kids in other countries have been asking for mm-hmm. or belting out, should I say, for a decade. Um, the Segori Junior Middle School in Pyongyang is using the Disney film Frozen to help their students improve their conversational English. And apparently this is after uh, leader Kim Jong-un reportedly encouraged changes to school curriculums. Well, there's c- several points of irony yeah. here, right? So the North Koreans want to do nothing with mm. anything that's American. Or Western. Or Western. Mm. But Disney is like the most representative... It's America. <laughs> ...soft culture of America, right. right? They, you know, punish their citizens for consuming anything um, that's banned, which includes Western media. Yeah, music, films, television, you mention it. Yeah, yeah but then also it doesn't surprise me because Kim jong uh, the Kim family have known to fake their passports just to go to Disneyland. That's right. And so Kim they Jong-un, have this fascination with you Disney. Know, and Kim Jong-un growing up in Europe, he had this f- love for a particular American sports brand. Anyways. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, the kids are asking, do you want to build a snow- 
man, you know, mm. in class. Uh, the Korea Central Television, um, you know, network, it aired this program uh, last week that showed students watching Frozen with Korean subtitles uh, in their classroom. And uh, the subtitles use these conventions and vocabulary that are uncommon outside of Korea. So it is likely that state censors edited the movie or only allowed uh, the use of certain clips for educational purposes. Yeah, because the uh, whole, the mm. feministic ideas that's presented yeah, in that's the right. movie Frozen uh, might not jive with what they're trying probably to not. control over yeah. there in North mm. Korea. So is this just one school or is it kind of nationwide? Yeah, so that's unclear uh, to what extent or frequency North Korea's middle school curriculum relies on American films. Um, I have to mention, though, that this particular middle school caters to upper class elites mm. in an exclusive part of Pyongyang. Um, what we do know is that the use of Frozen in the classroom is not the first time that North Korea has held an open door to, to Disney. For example, earlier this year, a state media showed uh, a hallway of the Ongnyu Children's Hospital painted with characters from the Disney film Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Uh, the country has also held performances featuring characters from movies like The Lion King, The Little Mermaid, as well as from DreamWorks films like Kung Fu Panda. Mm -hmm. Mm. So I don't know to exactly what extent uh, content like this is allowed, but, uh, you know, watching content that the state does not allow can, uh, you know, get you some pretty harsh uh, punishments. Maybe the Kim regime could take a little cue from Elsa and let it go. Specifically, their nuclear program. Let it go. Let it go. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) Jumping over to the third and final story. And these kind of stories pop up all the time over in the United States. Uh, A person, first time home buyer. It's a very exciting time. You buy your own house. Of course. uh, But you find uh, an unpleasant surprise, an unexpected surprise. Visitors. Visitors, critters. Yeah. Yeah. What do we, what do we, what did this lady find? Yeah. So a bunch of snakes. And we're talking about hundreds of snakes behind. I I hate snakes. Seriously. Can't stress enough. So her name is Amber Hall. Uh-huh. Uh, her family and their two dogs moved into their new home in Colorado. Uh, this is her first home, and uh, they moved in at the end of March. And uh, according to the woman, a total of ten snakes were found over the course of ten days. One dog apparently found a snake sort of like slithering into this hole in the wall, and then she sort of like took a look inside that like large gaping hole, and she found like. So many, like dozens of snakes in there. So she just freaked out, um, and uh, she she called a snake hunter, I guess, who said there is likely a snake den somewhere underground, and that snakes have been living there for the last two years at least, and there are mostly most likely hundreds of snakes behind the walls of her home, and she's oh. afraid to sleep in her own bed, to go to the toilet, because, you know, she's scared that snakes might come out of the toilet, and she's already paid thousands of dollars for snake hunting and for traps, and uh, she basically wants to tear down her house and to rebuild it, but she doesn't have the money because she's house poor. Mm. You know, she spent all that money on buying this house. You talk about snake then, and the mm. first image that pops into my head is the Indiana Jones movie. Oh, gosh. D- just, didn't he say, why did it have to be snakes yeah, or something like Indiana that? Indiana Jones hates snakes, yeah. too. But just a den full of 
thousands of snakes. Uh, I hope that's not the case for uh, Miss Hall here. Yeah. And I hope she could get uh, a good solution to this all of this. This is literally my biggest nightmare. Yes. <laughs> Erica, thank you so much Pleasure. for coming in. Have a great weekend. You too. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.